Hello and welcome to episode number 139 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brad Allen and Brett Colson. We run down all of the big games for the week in the NFL. Guys, as always, we are found in every place that you hear podcasts. So go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We really do appreciate that. Helps more people find this very podcast. And of course, all the stuff that we talk about, all these games broken down over at the lines.com, playpicks.com. So be sure and head in there and take a look at the written breakdowns as well. You can follow Brett at Brett Colson. You can follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. Should you be so inclined, guys? It was let's take a let's take a quick look at Thursday night football. We talked a little bit about this before we went on air here. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks end up with a very big win towards them in the West out there. And Brad, it was you and I were kind of wondering just, you know, that final drive in the question, you could actually question them and the play calling throughout the course of the game, but that final drive, they're kind of chipping away, chipping the ball down the field, everything working perfectly. And then for whatever reason, they get to the 30 yard line and lose their mind and decided they have to score a touchdown right that very second. And don't try to continue to move the ball down the field, despite the fact they still had a timeout in their pocket as well. It was almost as if they were trying to give Seattle too much time to come back and kick a game winning field goal on them or something. Yeah, it says it says one quarterback in the league, or you know, one of the top two that you don't want to give thirty seconds to let him get a field goal away is Russell Wilson. And uh, Cliff, throughout, well, he told on himself. I thought a little bit like with with that timeout where Murray snap, snapped it, you know, with zero left mm-hmm. on the play clock essentially. But it just showed that he didn't trust his quarterback to like do a quite basic thing. It, it, it looked to me like he was panicking, like oh no, we're going to get five yards. And at that point, probably even if he doesn't get it off, you'd rather have a timeout than five mm-hmm. yards, in my opinion. Um, and just throughout the game. So going into it, I thought there were there was two, you know, the, the Cardinals were banged up along the defensive line. And, you know, that, that obviously favoured the Seattle running game. And then the Seahawks were banged up in the secondary. Um, but the Cardinals didn't pass the ball and the Seahawks did run the ball because that's, that's what they wanted to do. So <laughs> I think we probably had two coaches that weren't playing optimally, but the way Carroll wanted to play was just played into the way that the, the Cardinals are injured. So it favoured the Seahawks. Um, I think if the Cardinals passed the ball more, they, you know, they could have won that game very, very easily. Brett, it was uh, it was very interesting. I know you were I, – I don't know how – if you were actually on them. I know you at least picked the Seahawks going into to that game. Uh, I don't think either team really played all that well. I don't think either team really played uh, well enough to be the, the, the uh, you know, the, the definite winner of the game or anything like that. But uh, at the end of the day, Kingsbury doesn't come out and just do what the Rams did last week, which they said, hey, look – we're just going to throw the ball all the time, every down, take advantage of this team that's giving up 353 yards per game through the air. They chose not to go that route, and with out with that, with going uh, the direction that they went, it didn't work out for them. And now they're they're behind the eight ball in that division, and uh, maybe even in the playoff hunt. Yeah, big loss for them, obviously. Why did they give this to us on Thursday night football? Why did they do this to us? I mean, I, I would love to watch these two teams play on Sunday night football after they've gotten a full week of prep. And yeah, again, you know, they give us a, a terrible product that I didn't watch. I'm kind of, kind of glad I didn't because I'm looking at, like, I'm hearing what you guys are talking about. It doesn't sound like either one of these two teams played well and Seattle scored yeah. five points in the fourth quarter. Like what, what is that? Yeah, it was, it was nothing to, uh, it was nothing anybody wanted a part of last night. I mean, it looks like, it looks like it was going to be a fun game and then it kind of ended up being more of a head scratcher where I'm sitting here going like, what are these two teams doing anyway? 
All right, so let's get into the week's games here. Kick things off with the you know biggest spread of the week and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jacksonville Jaguars, going to be everybody's survivor pick if they happen to have the Steelers left in their pocket for this one. Ten and a half as we sit right now. Across the board, really, ten and a half. And if we're looking from a total standpoint, sitting somewhere in that 46-ish, 46 and a half range. So what we found here with this, uh, what this Steelers team is, we were worried about the lulls in the offense. And don't get me wrong, it was the Bengals last week, but Big Ben goes out over 330 yards, four touchdowns, and the offense looks like, okay, maybe this offense, if they have to turn it on and keep the foot on the gas from top to bottom, they're able to do that. And, uh, you know, at least solved a little bit for me as far as some of the question marks that I had for this team. But again, uh, grain of salt, it was the Bengals defense that they were doing this up against. Um, more than anything, it was this defense yet again that was able to limit this Bengals offense to anything that they were trying to do. And, and the Steelers defense is going to keep this game, I mean, keep this team in pretty much every single game that they are in moving forward. Brad, I'll just start with you. On this one, um, this was at 10 not too long ago. They've added the hook. So people were taking the Steelers here at the 10 points. Uh, how do we feel about 10 and a hook? Um, I think there, there's clearly two sides to this. I think you might you might see quite good two-way action on this all week because on the one on the one hand you've got the numbers guys who you know I've, I've seen one adjusted EPA model this week make this game 18 I've heard Rufus Peabody saying you know he makes this game 13 over, over there but then you've got kind of the situational spot where you've got the big big game upcoming against the Ravens Steelers Ravens on Thursday night I think um, so that's you know a huge look ahead spot there that rematch which could well settle the AFC North if uh, if the Steelers can take care of them again um, and we know kind of the personality of the Steelers under Mike Tomlin um, they're superb as as an underdog you know he gets them fired up he's a rah rah coach but when they're expected to win um, some stats here. On the road as double-digit favourites, they're one and ten against the spread, um, and only seven and four straight up there. So you know, despite being huge favourites, you know, expected to win at least eighty-six percent of those games by the pre-match spread, they were only seven and four. Um, they're five twenty-nine and one against the spread, um, just on the road against a losing team. So you know, it, this is the spot we saw against the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. Uh, where every matchup, you look at the field, you go, you know, that Steelers defensive line, they should shred. They should have yeah. shredded the Cowboys offensive line. There was like three, they were on their third tackle and they, they didn't because they came out flat and you go, Oh, you know, you know, most people, <laughs> whenever anyone brings up a trend, they go, I'm not a trend player, mm-hmm. but and do you think this is real? I do think this is the personality of the team. You know, teams do take on personality. They get, you know, characteristics. And I, I do think this one is real. Um, so I did, take the 10 and a half Jags because I'm, I'm kind of willing to put matchups aside and just go, I think we see the Steelers come out very sleepy just looking into that Ravens game. And that's just the overriding handicapping factor for me here. Yeah, Brett, uh, Brett we're, we're, we kind of look at this. I mean, there's not a ton of incentive for the Steelers to keep the foot on the gas in this game should this game get out of hand, right? So even if they are sitting in the fourth quarter, up, let's call it 20 or 17 or something like that. I don't think you're going to feel very comfortable holding that 10 and a half point ticket in your pocket because the Steelers do have such a massive game next week and, and, and taking, taking this Jaguars team 
you know, to the woodshed in the fourth quarter is probably not really what Mike Tomlin is is all about for this one. He's keeping players healthy and making sure that they're ready to go next week. So um, I know you and I feel like you are probably taking the Jacks at 10 and a half. In this Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everything, yeah. Everything that Brad said, this definitely has the same feeling as that Dallas game where they escaped as, you know, huge double digit favorites. Like, does Pittsburgh get up for this game? I, I, coming off the blowout win over a division rival, they're traveling here. They've got Baltimore on Thanksgiving, like you guys said, on a short week. If there's a look-ahead spot in the NFL this season, this has to be it. For a 9-0 team playing a bottom dweller, just get out of there healthy with a win and start prepping for Baltimore. I think this is a situational spot where the number is too high, especially a 10 and a half. Yeah, the um, getting the hook is pretty interesting on the 10 right there. And we don't talk about 10 being, you know, a key number as near as much as, of course, we talk about three and seven. But uh, in a game like this where I, I could easily see, you know, easily, easily see this thing end up being just a, a backdoor late score where that where that hook on the 10 comes into being in into play. And so, uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm either taking the I'm either taking the points or I'm going to move on because this Steelers team is not incentive incentivized whatsoever to keep their foot on the gas. And, um, and, you know, and rightfully so, right. I mean, like this, this game does not mean near as much as that game does uh, on Thanksgiving day. So yeah, I, I'm with you guys and it's uh, it's the points are nothing for me in this one. Let's move on to a game that is very interesting and got more interesting, Brad, um, with some news that you just brought up that Ian Rappaport is reporting that Taysom Hill seems to be taking the first team reps for the Saints. Um, Brett, this this spread has fallen a lot. If we look over at DraftKings, which is one of the things they allow you guys to do, if you're not doing that, um, guys, there's a little button next to the stats that says, I mean, next to odds that says stats. And if you click on stats, you can click on betting trends. And it's not actually, I mean, they show you some trends. And again, you know, I hate trends. But if you scroll down a little bit further, it gives you the history of the spread. So you can actually follow where it opened, when it changed, how long it's been at the current number that it's been at. You can do the same thing for the total as well. This opens at five and a half, Brett. We are now sitting at four. I don't know if it has anything to do with the news that maybe Taysom Hill would end up practicing. I don't have any idea. But what I can tell you is, we might be seeing Taysom Hill under center for the Saints as opposed to Jameis Winston. Yeah, who knows? I, that they might open with Taysom Hill in a formation and then bring Jameis in. I, everything I wrote down here was planning for Jameis as the quarterback, so I, I don't really know what to do with this. Like Naturally, I'm drawn to the Saints because I don't think there's that much drop-off from a, a Breeze to a Jameis. But with T- Taysom Hill, I don't trust this offense with him under center. So this is a game that I am going to stay away from until I have a better idea of what this offense is actually going to look like. And even if Jameis is under center, I need to see him, a guy who had more air yards than any other quarterback last year, now operating an offense that doesn't throw the ball downfield. So I, I don't know what to do with the Saints right now. Maybe you guys can help me out. Yeah, no, I mean, Brad, so this was this bit of news actually does change a lot because I was actually kind of leaning towards the over in this one. It's a total sitting at 51, uh, 51 and a half at various places because kind of like kind of like Brad, I was thinking, all right, look, you know, is it going to run as efficiently as when Breeze is under center? Maybe not. But at the same time, 
you know, he is he is not he he is definitely more prone to throw the ball down the field. So maybe we get more chunk plays, maybe we get more splash plays, maybe we get a, a quick score, which the Saints are just not known for at all these days. But if it's going to be Taysom Hill, that kind of completely changes my opinion of how this game could play out. So um, I guess I'm going to sit on the sideline until I hear a little bit more uh, come Saturday. Uh, yeah, so I'm like you, I bet the over and I don't really like it. <laughs> now we've got Taysom Hill in there at quarterback. You know, that, that was based on Jameis, you know, throwing downfield, being yeah. volatile. It was based on two sort of top seven run defenses, the best run defense in the NFL and the seventh best in the Falcons there. And so a lot of passing, you know, Falcons are first in EPA per drop back over the last six weeks. So Oh, you know, I expected two half-flying offenses. Now, Taysom Hill, you would imagine it's going to be a lot more run-based. Right. Um, because, he, you know, he just doesn't have that many career dropbacks. It's like 12 or something over his entire career. You know, he's a 30-year-old quarterback. So, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to expect now. We've, we've not seen much of, of Taysom Hill at all. One, one nugget that I just saw pop up, um, Saints offensive EPA with Taysom Hill on, on the field this year, plus 0.12 EPA per drop back. No, with so without Taysom Hill plus 0.12, with Taysom Hill minus 0.01. So significantly better with him on without him on the field. Um, obviously, that's a small sample size, but it doesn't suggest they're super efficient. So yeah, uh, just to stay away. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can say my position on this game would be if Jameis goes, I would be looking at the over. I think that they score. I think the volatility, like you mentioned, I mean, they're throw a pick six in there or something, right. Or a or strip sack or, yeah, or whatever yeah. it might be to help you get this thing uh, to the over. So I will throw that caveat in there, but if this is Taysom Hill, then throw all of that out the window for me. Cause you I guys, don't, I, yeah. Do you guys see this, this total coming down now with this Taysom news? And would that be a buy spot for you? If it gets under 50 with the possibility that Jameis, is a part of the game plan? I would guess it's not going to be full Taysom. You know, I would guess they'd sprinkle both in. Yeah, Uh, right. It's not moved yet. Nothing has moved yet with this news. So either it was bet down because they knew this was coming or it's going to happen at some point. Very interesting. I think everyone's digesting it like we are. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. very interesting by any stretch of the imagination. Brad, if this thing got under the 51, which again, you know, I I don't I don't play too many key numbers when it comes to totals anymore because the, the game has changed so much where, I mean, hell, we used to look at 37 as a key number, if that tells you anything. <laughs> but I mean, in totals. But uh, 51, though, is one that I do kind of keep in my uh, in my head, at least. So maybe if it were to dip a full point, I would uh, I would come back in on this thing. So we'll keep an eye on that one. And certainly uh, if any news pops up, we'll have it over at the lines and, and play picks as well. Eagles and the Browns. Uh, big news actually coming out this morning before we uh, got to this. So we're at least getting some news before the pod this time as opposed to afterwards. Miles Garrett is going to be out for the Cleveland Browns. They moved him to the COVID list. So he is not going to be out there trying to disrupt and make Carson Wentz's life a living hell. Guys, we saw what was supposed to be the closest resemblance to a healthy Eagles team last week. And it made no difference whatsoever. And they get the doors blown off of them by the New York giants. And so if there was ever going to be a time for the Eagles to make a statement, we would have thought it would have been last week. It did not come. Um, Brett, we're sitting at three points right now, 47 and a half on the total 
in Cleveland, uh, actually looking like this one could actually head to two and a half. The, the three on the Eagles is juiced very, very heavily right now. So we could be heading to two and a half on this game. Yeah, I can't explain why the Eagles off the bye were so inept against the Giants. Just law of NFL. You know, sometimes weird things happen, like Daniel Jones having his most efficient game of his <laughs> career against the one of the one of the league's best pass rushes. Uh, maybe the Giants under Joe Judge are just far better than we thought. I had this team pegged as one of the worst in the NFL coming into the year, and I was wrong. Uh, I think you just have to hold your nose and bet Philly here. Anything at three plus, like it's not like the, the Browns have been world beaters this season, even with that six and three record. And the best way to attack the Eagles defense is through the air. And Baker Mayfield has been abysmal. Like his two top weapons are either out or hobbling. Jarvis Landry hasn't been the same receiver we're used to seeing. He hasn't even found the end zone in 2020. Uh, I just think these two teams are closer than people think, especially with Miles Garrett. Uh, the most I mean, does, is there a edge rusher that has more impact than Miles Garrett in the NFL? I don't think so. So I think you, if you can get three uh, while this, you know, before this podcast goes live or after this podcast goes live, I would certainly try and get that uh, because the, the look ahead on this was one and a half. And I think that's probably around where it should be. So I like the Eagles quite a bit here. Yeah, I, uh, Brad, I, I feel almost embarrassed trying to uh, saying that, but I mean, it's, it's, if you look at the way this Browns offense has functioned, I mean, it has not been very efficient, actually, you know, and when uh, in, in a couple of those games, understandably, were in horrible conditions. And what do you kind of expect Baker Mayfield to do? But, um, regardless, if you do look at what the Eagles supposedly do well, the Eagles do kind of get pressure. They do kind of rush the passer pretty decently. And we definitely know, I mean, according to pro football focus, they still have the number one ranked pass rush in the league to the Eagles and Baker Mayfield has not handled that very well. And Baker Mayfield has made is not only that, not only handled it is not necessarily from a turnover aspect all that much. He's just very inaccurate. He does not find check downs very well. He doesn't find hot routes very well. And, 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 that's been kind of a bugaboo of his since he's been in the league. Uh, we're sitting at three right now. That said, like it looks like it's heading to two and a half. Yeah, I'm not involved on this game yet. It's a tough one, I think. I think the Eagles probably match up quite nicely, as you say, A, with the pressure mm-hmm. um, of Baker Mayfield and B, with the ability to stop the run. Um, obviously, they, they, they gave up some some yards last week to the Giants but that was a lot of like read option RPOs and stuff which you know Baker Mayfield is not going to scare you with his legs so I think mm. they they could stop the run to an extent obviously they've got Nick Chubb back they've got Wyatt Teller back more than people in, in the middle of the field so it is a strength on strength matchup um I, I, I haven't bet it because I, I cannot trust the Eagles because Wentz has got the most turnover where he plays in the NFL by like a good he's an extra 25% higher than anyone else um, and he's you know there, there was talk before last week oh yeah we looked at it in the week and uh, he, he's trying to make it trying try to make it too much happen he's trying to force it so he's going to be you know really under control this week and it was just exactly the same he, he still played terribly so yeah and then, then Miles Garrett he's, he's the best edge rusher in the NFL that's a huge loss mm. um, so yeah I just don't know what to do with our past yeah, I think my only deal here is is the Eagles actually defend the run pretty well as well. I got given up about 80 yards a game. And so we know this Browns team wants to rely on Chubb and Hunt, but uh, this, that's not going to be, if things play out like we've seen throughout the course of the season, that's not going to be an easy thing to do. So 
I know. Hold my nose, Eagles. But uh, it looks like this three might be be going away. So if you do want that, you're going to want to jump on it. Uh, I would recommend paying the extra juice. I would pay an expensive three before I would take a two and a half. Brett, I think you would probably do the same, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I would pay for an expensive three before I would wait on a two and a half. If that, if you do want to come in on the Eagles. Um, let's head to the Titans and the Ravens. One of the no man's land spreads of the week sitting at five, Brad, 49 and a half on the total. The last time that we, uh, saw this Ravens team disappointing, uh, you know, really kind of disappointing in a weird way. I don't know if you could really call a team that is still, you know, very much in the division hunt and the playoff hunt and everything like that disappointing, but it feels like this Ravens team has been disappointing uh throughout this throughout uh, the season so far sitting at six and three uh cannot pass the ball at all really for any sort of efficiency and any sort of um and and, and any sort of consistency and then i think we kind of pegged this team correct and it played out is this team is just not built to come from behind and this team is an amazing front runner but they are not built for these kind of like late game, either situation neutral or trailing type situations. And it plays out time and time again. I have lost a lot of faith in this Ravens team overall, if we're being perfectly honest, because it's very hard for me to trust a team that if they're down just a touchdown, that I don't have any sort of feeling that they're actually going to be able to come back and like, you know, score late in the game to, to help things out here. We're sitting at five points and the Titans kind of a bully themselves when they get up. Yeah, I don't really trust either offense here. Um, you know, we speak about it every week. Numbers on, on the Ravens now. So 25th in um, EPA, in, in success rate on dropbacks on early downs and even kind of this, this vaunted running game, 17th in success rate on attempts and early downs. So, they're not really doing anything well at all. We know they're missing their all-pro left tackle, the all-pro guard retired at the end of last year, so they're not blocking like they were up front. They've lost their blocking tight end, Nick Boyle. So they're going to have... You know, the strength of the Titans' defense is the run as well, so they've been weaker against the pass. But it doesn't seem like the Ravens are set up to make the most of that. Um, you know, all, all year long, basically teams have been muddying the middle of the field, you know, putting two spies, putting more men in the zones over the middle because they know Lamar wants to, you know, chuck it up the seam to to Mark Andrews. And he, he's not good at throwing deep outside, which is probably where the Titans are weakest. So I think that's quite a nice matchup there. And then the other side of the ball, the Titans are, are struggling a bit as well. Um, they, you know, they're missing their left tackle, their right tackle from last year left as well. And and the Ravens do have good edge rushers still. Yannick and Gokwe out there. Um, so. I think they get pressure. Now, the concern and the reason I'll probably lean to the Titans if we're going on the spread is that the Ravens could be missing Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams, isn't it? The other, yeah. the other defensive tackle. Basically, as soon, as soon as he went out last week, after you know, Campbell already missed the game, suddenly the Patriots were just gashing them up the middle. And um, that is the, that's just the last thing you want against Derrick Henry here. So those two... Last I checked, both questionable. The beat reporters seemed pessimistic that they would play. And if they don't play it, I would back the Titans plus the five. Um, and also quite like the under 49.5 just because of the offensive struggles that I think we could see on both sides and just not really being able to block. Me too. That is the play for me is the under in this one. If I had to choose a side, I would probably come in on the Titans as well. Brett, we are talking about a Ravens team. Yards per play. 
21st in the league as far as yards per play. They cannot move the ball whatsoever. And when they got down against the uh, when they got down against the Patriots, it was like I was like, this is game over. I mean, the way that the, the way that you watch Lamar and them play, and I think, look, I think he has complimentary pieces out there. I don't think there is an actual real playmaker on a consistent basis at the pass catching position outside of Mark Andrews, and he's a tight end. So it's like if you're the Titans, you probably just line up and say, you ain't running against us. And so, you know, we'll take these one-on-ones with your, against your receivers and, and we'll see what you can do with it. And I think that's probably going to be the formula against this team moving forward. And I just don't have a ton of confidence that they're going to be able to have any sort of success if that's just consistently what they're looking at here. And listen, I'm not, and this is not a, me kind of sitting here praising the Titans either. I think that offense is a sham as well. So that's why even at 40, you know, 49 and a half is a low total in today's NFL, but uh, I don't think there's going to be very many points in this thing. Yeah. I've been selling the Ravens offense week after week because it has been very one dimensional and fraudulent, but this, this Titans offense is also one dimensional in its own way. Mm -hmm. And very similar to what you were saying about the Ravens, Matt, like Tennessee ranks highly in a lot of offensive metrics, but most of that damage comes in positive script. Like they've gotten ahead in games and they're just pillaging defenses on the ground with Derrick Henry because they have that luxury up multiple scores. And we've seen the past two weeks what happens when Ryan Tannehill is forced to play from behind. And this is this could be one of those games where they're either trading blows or in negative game flow. And I, I say trading blows. I mean, that just might be field position because I don't trust yeah. either one of these offenses to light up a scoreboard. So uh, this total opened. 47 it's all the way up to 49 and a half like you guys said so yeah I think I think that's a great number I'm taking the under yeah I mean you look the the rush defense by the Ravens has actually been one of the better ones according to DVOA anyway at least throughout the course of the season PFF not as as high on them uh their third DVOA their 15th according to pro football focus but still um you would think that they would be able to limit what Henry's able to do this feels like a game that's going to just sit between the thirties. Like they're just going to kind of like move back and forth between the thirties and, and we're going to look up and, and we're going to say, Oh man, it's 17 to 10, you know? And, and that's just kind of how this game kind of feels out to me. So yeah, really, really love the under in this game actually made that bet this morning before we even came on air. So um that glad that uh glad you guys feel the same way about that too. Bengals and the football team and Bengals sitting currently as one and a half point dogs to Washington, 46 and a half. Your total bread, of course, we know the situation. Alex Smith comes in for this Washington football team. Now, the story alone should win him comeback player of the year. I don't think any of us are going to argue that. It's just amazing. The guy, they wanted to lop his whole damn leg off. So, I mean, like, I think him playing in an NFL game and doing well um, is, is certainly worth that award. Now, aside from that, he got fairly lucky in multiple situations over the last couple of weeks through some turnover-worthy plays, according to Pro Football Focus, that didn't end up as turnovers, was making some shaky decisions. And look, he's been out of the game a long time, and that's rightfully so. But um, I don't think enough of that is, is really getting talked about because of the feel-good story part of it. And, and the feel-good story part of it is awesome. But we're trying to handicap a football game here. The This is a classic uh, spot where you would, you know, come in. And if you like playing the classic teaser spots, the Bengals up to seven and a half, taking them through a three and through a seven 
against a Washington football team that, uh, you know, really doesn't do anything all that well themselves on the offensive side of the ball. So do you really feel like this team has the capability to to blow out the Bengals, I think is a question a lot of people are going to be asking this week because, again, it's it's sitting there at the point and a half. It's asking to be teased up to seven and a half. Yeah, I mean, this Washington offense hasn't been that bad under Alex Smith. 34 first downs last week. Granted, a lot of that came after they were already down several scores. And that's actually happened twice in a row now, the past two weeks with Smith under center. They fall behind and then they just get a bunch of garbage uh, garbage scores. I'm I'm not going to read into that too much, but they have been able to find some success in the passing game. And that's something positive, at least. And, And they... They should be able to find time for him to operate in this game, too, because the Bengals have not been able to generate any mm-hmm. any pressure up front. And Washington should be able to win on the other side of the ball, too. I mean, against this Bengals offensive line, 26th in pass blocking, 30th in run blocking, according to PFF. This is a tough one, though. I mean, this was Bengals minus one on the look ahead, and then they got blown out in a spot where they were supposed to get blown out. I didn't take away a whole lot from that game. Uh, so I, I see this as a potential get right spot for Burrow in this offense after they got trounced, but they are playing a, a similar style defense that can get pressure on the edge. And they like Washington doesn't really have to blitz either to get that pressure. So I don't really, I, I don't, I've gone back and forth on this one. I don't really know what to do with it. I think I'm just going to stay away. Cause um, it, uh, it, process wise, I, I prefer the Bengals in this in this spot but I do think Washington could win this game outright too so I, I don't really know what to do with it Brad we're sitting at a 46 and a half total and if you look at these if you look at these uh, you know games where the Bengals have lost outside of last week they, they've scored a lot of points I mean like like Joe Burrow has been able to find these receivers whether it was early or late where they've either been pesky and hung around through, you know, the early parts of the games or they've been able to find the end zone in, you know, late in game. They scored 30 against the Browns. They scored 23 against the Eagles. They scored 20. Uh, they scored 33 against the Jags. You know, they, they put up they put up 27 against the Colts, 34 against the Browns again. So um, if we think that the Washington football team might have some success scoring the football against the Bengals, do we think that the Bengals are absolutely going to get shut down by Washington? Should we be looking at an overlook here at 46 and a half? Yeah, I not bet the game, but I agree with that overtake there. Um, we got two pretty fast paced teams. So Bengals games have the third most snaps this year. Um, and then if we go to Washington, they, they passed two thirds of their snaps last week while the game was within one score. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the season, they're third in situation neutral pace. So we're going to have two teams that are airing it out. And um, and are playing quickly as well, which is you know that's that's good for the under, well, good for the over. Sorry, um, my concern would be as Brett said that Washington defensive line, which is second in sacks per pass attempt, going up going up against that Bengals offensive line. Now they should be better than last week. They're going to get both their left and right tackle back, who were missing against the Steelers. But the right tackle Bobby Hart is a liability anyway. So right. <laughs> they, you know they're still going to get beaten up front. Uh, sometimes that that can be good for an over because if you just cannot run the ball at all, right. because you know, as I say, they, they get bullied up front. They force Burrow, they chuck him back in empty because they they get bullied every week. They put him in empty, spread it out, and just say go get rid of it quickly, and we'll throw seventy percent of the time. Um, I'm kind of, so I'm kind of talking myself into this over forty six and a half uh, 
might be one I'll look into after the show and uh, get a bell. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I lean in this one. I don't, um, as far as the side as it sits right now, don't have a, a real strong play on it. This is part of my teaser portfolio this week. Uh, Bengals up to seven and a half. I do not see this game getting out of hand one way or the other. So if you're going to give me over a touchdown with Burrow and this Bengals team, and I think any of the game scripts kind of play out in favor of this staying within a touchdown, right? Because if this game is close the whole way, whole way, whole way, it's not going to be over a touchdown more likely than not. And then if it comes to a a scenario where, like you just mentioned, Brad, where if they've just got to kind of abandon the run and Burrow's allowed to just do his thing back there, we've seen this time and time again already this year. If they allow him to just throw the ball every single down, they can move the ball. Like they are, they have talent at that wide receiver position and they have talent on the offense. I mean, if he's not getting the hell beat out of him, he's, uh, he's completing passes. So, uh, keeping this thing within a touchdown, I feel pretty solid about for the Bengals. And so, yeah, part of the teaser rotation for me this week. Um, tell you who will not be part of the teaser rotation for me this week, despite it's asking for it as the Houston Texans. They are two point home dogs against the new England Patriots Patriots, two point favorites on the road, a total of 48 and a half. The last time we saw the Patriots, they were beating the Ravens and everybody was saying, okay, maybe I undershot this, uh, this, this Patriots team. I think it was a little bit of both. I think we might have undershot this Patriots team. And I think we might've like kept this Ravens team in such high regard and maybe, maybe, they didn't deserve as much praise as we were giving them, uh, Brad. So, anyway, the Houston Texans team been about one of the most frustrating teams on the face of the planet. I know all three of us at times this year have bet on this team only to uh, come out disappointed. Uh, so, how do we sit here? New England Patriots, two-point favorites, 48.5 is your total. Uh, yes, I had a quite chunky bet on the over here. Um, so, we if we start with when Houston's got the ball, um, this is a this is a top five quarterback, um, Deshaun Watson by by PFF grade, and, and they've been a lot better. They've been tenth uh, in EPA in EPA, EPA um, since Bill O'Brien walked out the door. Um, been passing more on early downs, which we like. Um, and obviously, last week they looked terrible, ten points against Cleveland, but that was forty miles an hour wind. Um, we're back to a dome here, and then it's it's a bit of a similar story with the Patriots offense, um, you know, their season long numbers don't look great week about COVID and how, when he came back, he, he was struggling to protest until he, um, so we can kind of, I feel like we can get rid of those games there. Um, they played in the, in the, in the rain last week as well. They played in a win game in, in Buffalo. So I think both of the, if you look at the season long numbers for these offenses, they, they don't look that good. But if you just look over the last three weeks, they're both top 10. Um, and then you've got two bottom 10 defenses. Um, so, you know, nowadays the NFL to- average total in Dome is kind of 51 and a half ish. Um, and we've got this three points below that. And I think we've got two top 10 offenses and two top 10 defenses. So uh, I, th- I thought the over was a, a nice look. So, Brett, we're looking at a situation that's very weird where I think an injury might have actually been good for a team. Um, you know, we don't wish injury on anyone, but Julian Edelman going down actually kind of made Jacoby Myers a thing, which has given Cam a consistent target that is not, you know, again, we I say this every week, but it's not a five foot nine you know, basically slot receiver that is that is not the number one target now. And Jacoby Myers has, has lived up to this number one role pretty well so far this year. And Cam seems to trust him a ton. Um, they're, they've been able to move the ball uh, against some what people consider to be some really good defenses. And so 
Uh, looks like they are going to get Stephon Gilmore back this week. So if that bothers you guys from a passing aspect or not, I don't really know. But, you know, Patriots, we know what they want to do. They want to run first and foremost, but they, you know, if they have to throw the ball, Cam is, is, is allowed to throw the ball. And we know what this Texans defense does very well. And that is allow people to run the ball on them. Uh, they are dead last DVOA run defense in all of the NFL. Pro Football Focus agrees they are 28th run defense, according to them as well. They are giving up a ton of rushing yards a game, 167 a game, this Texans team is giving up. So it seems as if the Patriots should be able to move the ball. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I love the over here. New England's just, they're such a tough team to cap. Uh, According to Football Outsiders, they have the third most variance in overall performance week to week. And that's evident in results like last week where they just show up and win outright as as touchdown underdogs. Uh, And a lot of that has to do with Cam and his inconsistencies. They have the highest variance offense in the NFL, according to DVOA. So this is a team that I'm probably just going to fade off a win like that, especially in a spot where weather added even more variance to that game. And the look ahead on this was Houston minus two and a half. It moved four plus points through zero off that win uh, for the Patriots last week. And meanwhile, the Texans lost in a weather game that they covered uh, a game that gave them a negative advantage against one of the best run teams in the NFL. So this line move feels like too much. A lot of recency bias here for a Pats team that really has not, been good all year. Uh, but I, I'm with you guys. I, I think both these teams will find success on offense in the spot. Houston passes the ball. Well, uh, the Patriots have not been able to stop anybody really, uh, through the air and Houston dead last and run defense DVOA. And that's what the Patriots do well. So I, I love the over here and I will, I will have the Texans on my circuit card and I probably will bet them as, as dogs here as well. Interesting. I think I'd come in the other way on uh, on this. And I, I don't it's not in the account yet. But if I had to bet this on a side, I think I would take the Patriots. I mean, it's uh, we saw what the Browns did last week. They ran for two hundred and thirty one yards against this Houston team. And they knew the run was coming every single time. Like you couldn't throw in 50 mile an hour wins. They you knew they were going to run the ball every single down and they still gave up. 231 yards to the Cleveland Browns last week. Uh, the Patriots average 161 rush yards a game. As we just mentioned, the the Texans give up 167 yards per game on the ground, which is worse in the league. Uh, I think the Patriots are going to be able to kind of control this game and and do kind of what they want to. Getting Gilmore back out there on the defensive side of the ball, really, really good to combat what Deshaun Watson's able to do. And so um, – I think I'm going to be oppo on you here, Brett, when it comes to the when it comes to the circa card. And uh, I don't know if it will actually make my account or not, but we shall we shall see. There are still a couple of days until until this goes off. Um, This is going to be really hard, so we won't spend a ton of time on it. The Lions and the Panthers, it's sitting at two and a half on the board right now. But guys, we don't know who's going to play quarterback for either team. So um, really, really hard to kind of cap uh brett it's 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 lions two and a half is two and a half point favorites but again teddy bridgewater's questionable matthew stafford has a ligament damage in his throwing thumb which by the way i hear that's a pretty important thing you know your thumb on your throwing hand so um yeah i i'm not gonna spend much time on it i'm not gonna bet this game i have no interest in playing this game so i i'll go ahead and just throw that one out the door for me 
Yeah, I don't have a whole lot either. And it's not just the quarterbacks. I mean, there's there's offensive players for both sides who are just a lot of question marks. I mean, we know Galladay is not going to play. DeAndre Swift it hasn't practiced right. with a concussion on the other side. I mean, obviously McCaffrey's not coming back. They've got injuries on the offensive line for the Panthers. So I, I have no idea what to do here. So I think this is probably one we can skip unless Brad has a take. Yeah, Brad, I'm I'm an informational better, and so when I don't have information, it just it, I, it's instant scratch off for me. So I don't bet speculatively when it comes to things. Uh, do you have a take on the two and a half? I would say some of the uh, various fantasy doctors who are proliferating around the internet nowadays, to, you know, chatting about injuries and whatnot. Um, one of them was saying that this injury on the throwing hand you know, it is likely to affect Stafford's just ability to grip the football, to, you know, spin it, rip it, throw with accuracy. So if he's in there and then, you know, it's, it's Philip Walker for the, the Panthers, um, obviously the market's probably going to price Stafford as, as if he's a full go. And if we get, I don't know, a three and a half or something or a three, I, I might be tempted to take the home dog with the Panthers. All right. So there we go. We do have a take. Look at that. We can give a, we can give people a take. So we'll give them, we'll give them a take. Um, I don't know. Probably not going to be in my account. I wish it would be. Um, all right. Dolphins and the Broncos. Brett, the Dolphins have just continued to, to win football games. They are looking as if they are an actual real uh, team, they are going to surpass their their season win total, and in, in I mean it's just it's crazy how good how much better the team has been than we thought. And look, they inserted Tua into the lineup. With Tua in the lineup, the offense has continued to move the ball. This rookie quarterback class, we keep saying it every week, is just absurd to go along with the rookie wide receivers as well. Like the quarterback wide receiver class has been just nuts. Uh, the Broncos just continue to disappoint the drew lock situation seems to be getting worse and worse. There are calls in Denver for him to get benched and they don't want him playing anymore. Now he's dealing with some sort of injury as well. That's why we see the dolphins as full three and a hook. So three and a half point favorites on the road in Denver. 45 is your total. I'm trying not to fall back into the Denver trap, but it's it's difficult. I mean, this is a team that's absolute rock bottom facing Miami team that has not lost in what feels like forever. I mean, it's been more than a month since this team lost a football game. And the public is coming around and the market has adjusted. And yeah, they've been pretty good. I mean, Tulos looks fine, but they're also overperforming the box scores and underlying metrics that tell mm-hmm. a real story of what's happening in football game. And Miami's been good, but I, they haven't been as good as their record shows over the past defensive five, scores, uh, yeah. special team scores, a short field last week because of, yeah. So there, there, there's been some of those things that you really have to either be watching the game or dig in very deeply to see how all those points were, were generated. Yeah, that said, though, I mean, this defense is really confusing to dissect for an opposing quarterback, especially a young quarterback who hasn't seen these looks before. There was a really good article in The Athletic this week about Miami's zero blitz packages and how young quarterbacks are struggling to identify where pressure is coming from. That does not bode well for for Drew Locke, who is still a very young quarterback learning on the fly and he looked completely lost against Bill Belichick a few weeks ago. And here he's got it. He's going to get a similar taste of that this week against Brian Flores from the Belichick coaching tree. I, I, I think I like Denver at the three and a half. They do have the advantage in, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Neither team's good at protecting the quarterback. Uh, but Denver is able to win in the pass rush more consistently with their front four. I, Man, this makes me nervous, though, because it is Drew Locke against a very 
well-coached, well-schemed defense. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I want to, yeah. I want to take Denver again, but man, they have been bad the past few weeks. The uh, Dolphins defense all the way up to eighth pass defense DBOA. Those outside corners have been, been playing absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. and uh, really tough to move the ball on this team. Uh, Brad, like we said, though, if you do dig in, I think the box score should be a little misleading if you don't really know how those points are generated. If you're just looking at the score and you're just kind of moving on and not seeing all of the ways that these these points are actually getting generated for this Dolphins team. I think the hook is going to keep me off this game. I think if the, if it somehow reaches a flat three, you could talk me into the Dolphins. But uh, with the hook on there, uh, I, I probably will stay away on this, though. Look, I mean, it's hard to deny what you're seeing with this Dolphins defense. I think it is really, really, really coming around, really making life difficult on everybody that they're playing. And uh, Drew Locke is, has been, I mean, has just been absolutely clueless over the last month of the season. Yeah, so like you, you know, I I don't like betting on good defenses generally. You know, they're they're so random and and great offensive execution can can just overcome perfect defense. But I think this matchup, I think they're going to absolutely destroy Drew Locke here. Like they they've Mm -hmm. obliterated good, you know, decent to good quarterbacks like Jared Goff, Mm -hmm. like like Jimmy Garoppolo. even Justin Herbert last week. Whenever you watch mm. Herbert, he he stands in the pocket, he he accepts pressure, and he throws it downfield. But he he wasn't doing that last week. He was chucking it out quickly just to the grass because they were just oh, there's gifts all over Twitter, like the entire Dolphins D line just dancing around, no down line. <laughs> they've got no idea where the pressure's coming from. Um, and then so you've got an offensive line here which ranks um, 29th in pass block win rate. And then you have a quarterback who ranks 43rd, 43rd on in the season in PFF grade. So like no one, no one, no quarterback in the league is playing worse than Drew Locke. You know, the Raiders just turned them over five times. And this, mm-hmm. this defense is an absolute different planet to the Raiders. So I think they can have a field day with Drew Locke. So to me, it was, do I want Dolphins minus three and a half? Obviously that hook is, annoying or under 45 Um, and then I I probably would favor back both if you want or just back the team total under but um, I quite like I probably prefer the under 45 because Tua is not grading well Um, you know the the Dolphins have a bad line too um, and he's 42nd in PFF grade so he, you know, mm-hmm. the, what the defense and the special teams is doing is disguising that the offense is no longer moving the ball like they were under Fitzpatrick. That that was a top five offense with Fitzpatrick. And now it's not good at all, really. Um, so I, I can definitely see the Broncos being able to stymie Tua as well because, um, you know, Vic Fangio, he's, he's a strong defensive mind in his own right. And, and they've got the corners back who were missing a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I think under 45 is probably a very, very strong look. Also, the other thing is the Dolphins, when they get ahead, they just slow the game right down. That You know, they will milk the clock run the ball so uh yeah i do like that under yeah and and i guess one thing to to mention is like it's not even it's not even for sure that Locke is going to play right i mean we might get brett ripping under center yes. again right so upgrade, so <laughs> i know right it might be an what? upgrade when it's all said and done what that reminded me of actually was um, baker versus the browns a few maybe a month or so back where he, he had the banged up ribs um and it turned out to just be a horrible matchup facing a pass rush with broken ribs or, you know, he's got torn into costal mm-hmm. muscles, I think, Drew. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just, it's going to be horrible for him if he plays. 
or yet Brett Rippon, which is probably even worse. I was going to say, which, which might be even worse. I know I, the, the hook is annoying, but it's, it's, it's dolphins or nothing for me. And it might end up dolphins anyway for me in, in this thing. I mean, it's just this, this, the, the Broncos offense dead last. I mean, like worse than the jets, you know, like it's, it's dead last, like worse than the jets when it comes to, to offensive ratings and so many different things. And so, yeah, I, I I'm with you guys. I I'm, it's, it's dolphins or nothing for me. Speaking of the Jets, uh, let's talk Jets. Jets and Chargers. Uh, Chargers, nine and a half point favorites. You had to get on this one early in the week. I did, fortunately, if you wanted to play the teaser leg of the, uh, of the Chargers. So, uh, it was eight and a half. So you were able to take the Chargers down from eight and a half to two and a half, get them under a field goal favorite against the Jets. And that's what we're looking for kind of with these teasers moved to the three and the seven. Well, that didn't last very long. Went all the way up to nine and a half where it sits right now. Wouldn't even surprise me if it got to 10 when it's all said and done. Brad, Jets have been every bit as bad as we thought. And it, honestly, no incentive to win at this point, right? I mean, it's like not that we're – they're still players and they're going to go out there and they're going to try to perform. But if you're a coaching staff, if you're a GM, you can do things as a coach. You can do things, whatever, to kind of prevent yourself from, uh, you know, making EV moves throughout the course of the game and stuff. And the Jets definitely want that number one overall pick. I don't think there's any question about that at all. It's going to be a race between them and the Jags. Um, 46, your total here. Um, I don't think I have a play outside of the teaser leg that I've already got. I don't know if I like the nine and a half or the total per se, but uh, I'm sure you guys have some insight. Yeah, so I kind of want to back the Jets here. Um, they're, they're getting healthier. Uh, you know, they're, they're getting all their weapons back. They should have their their full three receiver set here: Mims, Perryman, Crowder, and we kind of saw what they did to the the Patriots uh, a week or two ago now. Um, so, and 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 the left tackle, um, everyone goes on about. What's he called the big ticket? <laughs> um, oh you know, he got the entire press that Monday night. Yeah, Mikhail Becton. Um, he got all of the press on Monday Night Football, um, but Joey Bosa—he's he, the game wrecker. We, you know, we rambled on last week how uh, how much of a game changer it was going to be, and Miami wouldn't be able to block him, and then he just didn't play. Yeah, uh, I know that concussion. Yeah, that was great. An- great analysis um, yeah. by us. We were like, "Oh, here's how the game's going to play out," and yeah. then yeah, it didn't work out that way. Um, and he's a question again. It, you know, he—I think he was practicing. He was talking about the concussion. He, mm. he, he said that like, he just he got hit, and then next thing he knew, he was on the bus. So it was quite serious, which is why they kept him out. And he, he still got to uh, pass checks again. So he—he he is definitely a huge player to keep an eye on. And if he plays, I probably won't be involved because you know he's going up against George Fant on the right side, who's, who's a liability at right tackle, and Bosa is is probably one of the best pass rushes in the entire NFL and he, he can wreck a game on his own especially with Flacco just sitting there so if it got to 10 and Bosa didn't play I'm, I'm probably quite like the Jets because this Chargers D very they're very um, there was a piece on PFF this week how predictable they are you know what they show you pre-snap is what you get it's cover three mm-hmm. and it's not the sum of its parts they're, they're poorly coached they've got good talent but it's not you know you can still beat them um, so if, if Flacco does have time then I, I do think he can do some damage with with these weapons, but both are such a game wrecker and the number is just a bit too short that I'm not involved yet. Brett, how are we looking at uh how how are we looking at this one? I mean, look, it, it hasn't made it to 10 yet. It hasn't gotten to that double digits, which you know, if you were kind of wanting to come in and and back them, I'm sure you'd much rather have a 10 than than a nine and a half. Um 
And and frankly, at the end of the day, with the Sam Darnold already being ruled out, we know what this Jets offense is 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 kind of going to look look like because we've seen it a couple of weeks now. Uh, I don't know, man. I, nine and a half is too much for me, but it's too but it's too little. Nine and a half is too much for me to back the Chargers. It's too little for me to back the Jets. If that makes any sense. I mean, I've been saying all year I don't like to back Herbert against. I mean, as a big favorite, I don't like to back Herbert, but I mean. Here against the Jets, I mean, I I also don't like to back him against good defenses, but that doesn't apply here with the Jets. Like this right. is going to feel much more like a college game for for Justin Herbert, who I think is just going to feel more comfortable with the receivers consistently winning, and he should have time to make decisions in this game. Plus, if Bosa plays, we, and we, like, we 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 talked about it last week, the difference he makes for this defense that's going to matter again here. I yeah. mean, it, because then you've got Joe Flacco floundering in the pocket uh, in the team you know, with a team of negative scripts. So I, I kind of like the chargers if Bosa plays at minus nine and a half. I think this has the highest blowout potential of the week. You were talking about the Steelers as the, the uh, survivor play of the week. I think this is it. If, if, Bo, if Bosa plays, I think the chargers have the highest uh, potential for a blowout this week. Jets offense, 32nd in yards per play. They are dead last. They're, they're pass blocking down at 30th, according to Pro Football Focus. If we look at DBOA offensive ranks, rush offense 28th, pass offense 29th. I mean, everything pointing against this team. And then you look at their, their defense and, you know, the one thing they do well is, is their rush defense, but hey, look, this uh, this Chargers team has been okay with coming out and just slinging the ball all over the field. Uh, Jets pass defense, DVOA, 32nd. Of course, you know, that is dead last in the league. They're giving up over 281 yards per game through the air. I do see the Chargers having no – this is why I jumped on so soon to uh, to get this in, a, in the account from a teaser standpoint from eight and a half down to uh, – down to the two and a half. If I had to play it, I would probably play the uh, Charger side of things, but I'm content with my teaser leg. I feel pretty good with that one. Not going to, not going to force anything. Let's take a look at the uh, Packers and the Colts. Now this is another very popular uh, teaser leg opportunity that I know a lot of people are going to be playing. Packers are two point dogs in this one. 51 is your total. The Colts coming coming off of a, of a big win, of course. We we know that this Colts team has been fairly scrappy all season long. It's really been the offense that has been lacking, and uh, they were able to find a little bit of that. This defense has been there all year. Now, this Packers team on the other side of the ball, I thought they were in for some huge regression this year. I have been proven incredibly wrong already. Uh, one more one-score games last year than any other team in the NFL and got – Aaron Rodgers, absolutely no help whatsoever. And with that, all he's done is gone out and have these guys sitting at seven and two. So um, playing at an MVP caliber level, no doubt about it. So, um, Brett, I'm going to start with you here on this one. We got a, a Packers offense that has been really, really good, been moving the ball, been uh Aaron Rodgers has been as accurate as 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 we've seen him in in years past so age is not really it looks like anyway is not really caught up with him as as some of these other guys really it just comes down to the is there going to be the playmakers out there we know that they're having a lot of guys mispractice so far this mm-hmm. week including Devontae Adams and so there are some scary things Alan Lazard of course has been missing and so you go without both of those two guys, and then it gets really, really thin for this Packers team. 
Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite spots of the week for the Packers as long as they have those playmakers right, right. on the field. I like buying them off a game they squeaked out last week in conditions that really hampered what they do best, throwing the football. Uh, they didn't look good last week against Jacksonville in the wind, and we said on the podcast it was a, a prime spot for maybe a Jacksonville cover, maybe an under because of the weather, and that's kind of how it played out. Outside of that 78-yard touchdown to MVS, Rodgers was not all that efficient against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Uh, and now he gets one of the best pass defenses in the NFL in the Colts, but very different conditions in a dome. Uh, this is another game where the spread moved through zero after a lackluster performance in a wind game. Uh, I'm just throwing, I'm throwing that game out last week. So I, I think this, this current number is off. I think this is wrong team favorite. As long as Devontae Adams is looking okay here on the Friday injury report. It looks like Alan, Alan Lazard might be in the lineup for them. Uh, that's, you know, not a huge yeah. guy to come back, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a warm body for Aaron Rodgers. That well, guy that he trusts. Yeah. A guy that had, had, had won that, that number two role. Now, yeah. whether you think he's whether he's good or not, that's, you know, whatever. But I mean, he had won that number two role. The, the, I think the concerning thing with Adams is that he was limited on Wednesday at practice and then he was a DNP on Thursday. So that is like a little concerning to me when you kind of go down, when you go backward uh, on all of that. Um, without knowing the end, so this would be kind of a last, a last resort game for me to bet Brad because with so much injury news kind of lingering out there, I'm going to need more before I'm able to take part here. So, uh, what do you think about about the Colts being two point favorites over this pack? Um, sorry, I'm, I've got some connection issues. Um, I so I've, I've backed the Packers and the over here. Um, like 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 Brett said. They were they were affected by the wind last week, and they're affected by the wind three weeks ago, I think, against the Vikings. That was another kind of forty mile an hour wind game. Um, but in a dome, you know, I think they're probably well suited to stop the Colts, or you know, they're well matched up against the Colts. Um, you know, the, the Colts rush for and they they play zone behind it. Um, and, and if you can block the rush, any zone defense, cover two, cover three, it relies on a good pass rush. Otherwise, any good quarterback will carve you up. Um, and uh, you know Rogers will cover them up. I think as long as Devonte plays. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Packers' offense is probably underrated here um, against the Colts' defense. That that should be a nice matchup and has had a very the fourth easiest schedule here. Yeah, and I also think that this uh, you know both corners going to be healthy for the Packers as well. So they're kind of getting a little bit healthier on defense too. So there, there's a lot of reasons kind of pointing their direction, but I'm, I'm definitely going to hold out for Devonte Adams news and see what's going to go on there with that one. So the Cowboys on the road at the Vikings here, Brett, uh, this is a game where I don't think you're going to try to make a case for me that the Cowboys can win this thing outright, but can they keep it within a touchdown? We're sitting at seven right now. It looks like it's heading to seven and a half. It is a heavily juiced, Seven in this game, 47 and a half on your total. This Vikings team is trying to make the playoffs. I mean, they're actually looking like an actual football team after looking really, really terribly at the beginning of the season. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they were uh, really confused on defense. And this defense is actually starting to play a little bit better for this Vikings team as well. But can they keep it within a touchdown? What say you? I think they can. I kind of like Dallas here off the bye. It <laughs> seemed that the the public has given up on versus the Vikings who've ripped off several wins in a row with uh, an exciting core of offensive players and people love to bet offense. So I think, I think if you can get seven and a half, 
it's a pretty good spot for Dallas. Uh, they also get a pro quarterback back under center with Danny Dalton and with all these weapons lining up against a pitiful Minnesota secondary, plus the lack of any kind of pass rush for the Vikings. I don't see why Dallas can't move the football this week. I capped this at six and a half, seven. So anything north of seven, uh, I like the Cowboys quite a bit. They are healthier. They still have a lot to play for somehow in that pitiful division. Uh, and, you know, given the public perception of this team, they're one and eight against the spread. They've lost people a lot of money so far this year. Uh, I think, you know, I think that's baked in to to this line here. So there might be some value in Dallas right now. And this is kind of a good matchup for him too. So I like Dallas quite a bit with, uh, I don't have a play on the side, but with, with Dalton back under center and the way that this Vikings offense has been moving here lately, I think there's a look on the over at 47 yeah. and a half. Like I think the Cowboys do put some points on the board and I, I we know the Vikings will um, in some way, shape or form 47 and a half, a ridiculously low total for today's NFL. And um, you know, there'll be chunk plays in this game, whether on both sides of the ball, like there, there are going to be chunk plays from the Cowboys going to be chunk plays from the Vikings as well. I mean, Jordan, Je- uh, Justin Jefferson, has become one of the like biggest chunk play guys actually leads the entire league in, in, in yards per route run. And so that's why um, I know, I know. And so I, uh, I kind of like points in this game. So I think my lean here towards the over of the 47 and a half. So uh, Vikings offense coming around and I think Dalton under center can, can provide a little stability for this Cowboys offense and take advantage of those playmakers. Cause again, it's just insanity that they are not score. I mean, listen, they might give up. They should be giving up 50 a game, but they should also be scoring 45 in the, like over the course of this. I mean, you can't not score points with all those weapons. So I, I'd like some points in this one. Chiefs and the Raiders. Chiefs on the road as eight-point favorites against the Las Vegas Raiders. 56.5 is your total on that. Makes sense. Uh, Chiefs coming to town, and uh, they put up points. They're really good. Don't know if you heard about this guy, Patrick Mahomes. He likes to play football at a very high level. Uh, the Raiders have actually been outperforming a ton as well. I am very, very surprised, Brett, as to how good this Raiders team has been on the offensive side of the ball. I have, I have actually been, if we're being honest, I have been, I was, you know, I mean, you, you and I did previews of these, uh, of all the conferences and all the teams. One of my bold predictions was that, that Derek Carr was going to lose his job. Like I thought that Marcus Mariota. <laughs> You know, I thought Marcus Mariota was going to be taking snaps for this team. And instead, Carr's been one of the more efficient quarterbacks, actually, in all of the league. So uh, is eight points too many, though? We know that the that we know the Raiders were able to uh, clip them outright earlier in the year. Yeah, the only teams I will back against the Chiefs are teams that can score through the air. And the Raiders, as they showed the first time these two teams met, they're capable of that. Seventh and pass offense, DVOA. They racked up 37 points against Denver last week. And it probably should have been closer to 50 since they had some really bad drops. And, I mean, you're going to get that with this receiving core. But Mm -hmm. Carr only threw for 154 yards last week. Should have been a lot more. And that shows you this team can win in in different ways, which is good because you need to have some balance against Andy Reid. Anything above seven, and I, I kind of like the Raiders here. You know, they've seen Mahomes and this team enough now to where they're not going to be. There's not going to be a whole lot of magic tricks that the Mahomes can pull mm-hmm. out of his out of his hat anymore against this Raiders team. So this is a very meaningful game for Las Vegas, and I think they can keep this close, even if they don't. There's the you know the back door is always there with Derek Carr in this passing offense. Yeah, Chiefs second overall yards per play. We don't need to tell you about how good the pass offense is. Number one, DVOA, their pass blocking unit. It's actually a top 10 unit as well, which keeps, you know, if Mahomes has time to throw, they're going to move the ball, they're going to score. But the problem is, is 
you know, look, this Raiders offense is actually kind of multidimensional as well. Like, I mean, they they run the ball all right with uh with with Jacobs as well. I mean, you're looking at an offense, and guys, this is not a mistake. I'm telling you the truth. The rush offense for the Raiders, 12th overall DVOA, the pass offense, seventh overall DVOA. We're talking a top 12, top eight unit on both facets of, of the offensive side of the ball. It's, it's actually pretty crazy yards per play. They're 11th. I think that we just don't really look at this team as one of those better teams because of maybe some preconceived notions, but that's uh that's just not the case. They're actually pretty, pretty dang good, you know? And um, the, the chiefs don't rush the passer very well. So Carr should have time to throw. He should have some, 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 uh, some opportunities to kind of pick this defense apart. I also at the eight, I kind of lean towards the Raiders, man. I think that's crazy for crazy for me to say, but uh, that is that is my direction that I go in this one too, Brett. Is there correlation um, there with the, the Raiders in the over? Then I mean, look, be, right? we got one team averaging nearly thirty-two points a game and one team averaging twenty twenty-nine points a game. You know, and and now they're about to meet up. It seems. I, I know you hate betting overs of fifty-six or more in the NFL, yeah. but if there was ever a game that you would want to lean that direction. Uh, I don't see any way the Chiefs don't get close to their season average of of 32 points a game, and I don't see how the Raiders are that far under where they are at, you know, as far as their average, and that would obviously put us there if we do the math. So, uh, yeah, I think so. If you're if you're going to do that, you definitely would want to be looking at the over as well. Monday night should be a good one, Brett. We have the L.A. Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are four point. Home favorites over the Rams. The total is sitting somewhere in that 48-ish range out there. Of course, we know the last time we saw the Rams, what they were doing, they were going out there and putting it on the Seahawks. I think that was pretty expected. We talked about it here on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I was all over the Rams. It was a very, very bad matchup uh, for the Seahawks. It's a different scenario here with the Bucs, on the other hand. Um the way that this Bucks offense is constructed and the way that this Buccaneers offense can run is just a little bit different than what the Seahawks are able to do. And then of course on the, on the other side of the ball, Jared Goff is not going to be able to just sit in the pocket and throw all day long. Like he did on the Seahawks against this Bucks team at all. I think this is a pretty good sell high spot on the Rams with the Bucks at home here and only needing four points. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, the, the, the Rams, the Rams win over the Seahawks. I mean, I think we can agree now that the Seahawks were overrated by the market for yes. many, many weeks. And we're kind of realizing that now. So the win over them last week, the, with the Rams, I, I'm not taking a whole lot from that. I'm with you. I think this is a sell spot on the Rams. My general rule is Jared, Jared Goff against really good blitzing scheme defenses is a sell. And so that's exactly what he's facing this week. And yeah, the Bucks looked better offensively last week than they had. And I think Antonio Brown is a part of the reason why that is. I think I don't think anybody is really talking about Antonio Brown and his impact on that mm-hmm. offense and how good he is still. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning bucks here. I don't have a strong 
play on it. I'm going to look into it more. I usually wait until Saturday to get into the Monday night yeah. games, but my initial lean here is on the Bucks. Yeah, same with me. I'll, I'll dig into this much further, and of course, we'll have a, a video over on our YouTube channel as well, YouTube slash Play Picks about this one, but uh, initial lean here is towards the Bucks. As you mentioned, the one thing we know, the reason we said hey, we're on the Rams last week is because the Seahawks don't generate any pressure. And if you don't pressure Jared Goff, then he's a much, much better quarterback. That is not going to be the case this week at all. And one of the other things that we saw is Jalen Ramsey is one of the few corners in the entire league that can man up on DK Metcalf and actually play him and and take him out of a game. Well, here's the thing. Who are you going to put who are you going to put Jalen Ramsey on because they have three legitimate very very good weapons in this offense. So yeah, he might take Mike Evans out of the game or he might take Chris Godwin out of the game. But then there's still Antonio Brown and and and, and insert whichever guy that doesn't get Jalen Ramsey. And so it's just a different type of offense here for this Bucks team as well. I think they have the big time advantage on the uh, on the defensive on the defensive front going up against Jared Goff here. And then I like the offense as well. I think there's just you know the Rams do well what they do well, but most teams don't have three legitimate awesome options. You know that's just a that's just not a thing in today's NFL. There there's sometimes there's two but there's definitely never three and uh, really like the way that this is setting up for the bucks. But again, we'll have a full breakdown of that on, um, on the lines and over at play picks. And of course on the YouTube channel at backslash play picks as well over there. If you're not doing that, go ahead and subscribe to that one. Um, Brett, this is a, an interesting week. Of course, some news still needs to come out between now and when we, you know, make some of these bets. Uh, hopefully, you guys are, are will pay attention to all those, all that news as well, because you know some of this stuff is pretty is pretty important to how you're going to go about attacking these games and who's going to be under center, namely for a lot of these teams, is is certainly going to play into how we're handicapping these games. So. Um, you know, I, I think for me, Brad, I mean, I, I talked about those teaser legs that I really, really like There's some, one of them isn't even there anymore with the chargers. So that's unfortunate. Hmm. Um, but those are really kind of my big plays on, on the week here. Um, not in love with too many sides. It might be another one of those kind of total weeks for me. There are a few sides. I like, I like green Bay plus money on the money line as well. If Devontae mm-hmm. Adams is. Uh, set up to play and hopefully play uh, play well against Indianapolis. The Jags, I just like the situational spot for the Jags against the Steelers in, in a look-ahead game. Um, I like the Eagles if you can get plus three. I think the, the Miles Garrett injury there is is huge, and I think the Eagles are in a, in a get-right spot uh, on the road. And then I like the over in the Pats, Texans, and the under in the Ravens, Titans. Yeah, I am... Um... I'm going to double check something really, really quick here before we go, because if this is the case, this is something we should definitely bring up and it's all, it's off the board. The um, points bet still had, still had the dolphins at a flat three, but they have now pulled it off the board. I assume because of the quarterback situation with the Broncos, but Ah. they, I was going to say, hey, if you like, we look, we were love it. We were really wanting a flat three, and it looked like it was available, but uh, they have now pulled it off the board. So, yeah, unfortunate for that. Okay. Uh, guys, written breakdowns of all the games over at thelines.com. Head over to Play Picks for uh, any sort of predictions and things like that. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel, back, backslash Play Picks. If you want to follow Brett at Brett Colson, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2, and of course, Brad at Brad Allen NFL. For Brett, for Brad, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.